Hello everyone, this is Sarai from Sarai Buys Houses. Uh, this is my third show, my third episode on my podcast ever, uh, so I'm very, very nervous. I was lucky enough to have David Perret here on the line with me. He agreed to uh, me interviewing him for this. Uh, he was recently on Bigger Pockets, uh, show number 281, is that right, David? That is it. Yay. And we got in touch on Instagram. His uh, Instagram handle is from military to millionaire, right? Correct. Which is the same as his, uh, his, uh, what is it called? Blog. Yes, your blog. There we go. So you primarily produce all of your contact on, or your content on your blog from military to millionaire. Thank you very much for your service. All I know is basically what you talked about on that podcast. So I know that you've been a Marine for almost 10 years and uh, you are currently stationed in Hawaii, right? Yeah, if you could see my view right now doing this podcast, since we're doing it via the cell phone, I decided that I would just sit on the back porch and uh, it's, it's pretty awesome out here. You are so lucky. I'm very jealous of you. I'm in Shawnee, Oklahoma, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, I'm from the Midwest. So it's, it's home, but it's definitely not a bad place to be stationed for a time being. So you are in Hawaii, but you have done most of your investments in uh, Missouri, is that right? Which is your home state? That is correct. All of my buy and hold stuff has been done in Missouri. Awesome. Well, okay, so I'm going to start with my first question here. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Basically, I guess, how you started, what your background is, where you grew up, anything like that that you want to share with us. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I was born in uh, Northern California, lived there for the first few years of my life, moved to Arkansas, and I grew up there. I enlisted out of there uh, at 18 years old, joined the Marine Corps, and I've been kind of all over, I guess, since then. I've been stationed in uh, Japan, San Diego, Missouri, Hawaii, and a whole bunch of other random visitation countries in between. Um, did some time in Afghanistan, just kind of the normal stuff. Uh, and then after, uh, and then through all that time, I, yeah, I ended up out here in Hawaii and uh, I'm a motor transport guy, so I, I drive big trucks and do logistics stuff. Um, and that's, I mean, that's kind of, I guess my, myself outside of the investing community. Um, I like to, when I'm not broken, I like to run triathlons and, uh, work on vehicles and stuff like that. And I think I shared this with you, um, but I'm prior military. I didn't really stay in. So I really admire how you've been able to maintain, you know, a full-time career in the military, which requires a lot of work, a lot of dedication, of course. Uh, A lot of times you just have to be super flexible. If there's a deployment, um, training, anything that comes up, you have to stop what you're doing and just go to it, right? So I wasn't that brave. I only did six years in the Air Force, moved around a lot, and I could never see myself doing real estate as um, committed as you have while doing the military side of it as well. Uh, So when did you discover you wanted to do or invest at all while you were in the military? So, you know, I actually, uh, your question, so I... I looked into real estate investing, and I thought about real estate investing at, even as a young kid, and I don't really know what it was, but I, I remember 
being in the Marine Corps in Japan in, in 2000, you know, probably 2009. And, uh, when I was investing in stocks and I remember thinking that I wanted to invest in real estate and knowing that I had always wanted to invest in real estate and, and yet not knowing anything about it, not doing anything about it. Um, and I invested in the stock market a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing. I lost all my money. Um, and then that was pretty much all she wrote. From from then on, it was uh, tattoos, cars, guns, you know, anything that you would expect a Marine from the Midwest to blow their money <laughs> on, Harley, uh, which I totaled, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then uh, you fast forward to 2015, and, well, I guess 2013, I went on recruiting duty, and I thought about buying a fix and flip, like a live-in flip while I was recruiter. Um, and I talked to an agent and the agent I talked to just didn't say the right things and I didn't know what I was doing. So I was kind of looking for the agent to help me and the agent didn't say anything that was helpful. So I was like, okay, apartment complex it is. So I lived in an apartment and then two years later, so it was probably September or October of 2015, a buddy of mine was basically like, Hey, you should read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I made a bunch of excuses about how I didn't have time to read. And then... He told me, well, you sit in the car for hours driving to and from high schools and do the MEPS, the military entrance processing station for medical exams. Why don't you listen to the book? Because you were, you were recruiting at the time, right? I, w- I was. And, and if you know anything about recruiting, especially in the Marine Corps, where they're kind enough not to set, like, you must go home by this time uh, limits. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, it, it's, it is the worst hours I've ever worked in the military. Um, I, I probably worked more hours of actually working than I did when I was deployed. But it was fun. I mean, a lot, a lot of people absolutely hate it, but, but I like sales. So for me, it was a good time. Uh, and I got to network and I got to le- meet a lot of new people and I, I got to learn a cool skill. Um, but there's a lot of uh, wasted time behind the steering wheel. But basically he was like, well, why don't you download Audible and listen to the book? And I did. And then I knew right then and there that I'd been wasting all this time because I'd always been interested in real estate and all I had to do was read a book and I would have been able to do it myself. But I think you mentioned uh, at the Bigger Pockets podcast that you read the book within like two months and then you closed your deal all at one, <laughs> all at once, right? So you read it and you were implementing right away. Kind of like, how do I do this? Asking all the questions and moving forward. Yeah, so unfortunately, I, and I've been trying to confirm my story, Audible does not seem to be able to, uh, I can't I can't figure out, like, there's no log of, hey, this is when you first read this book. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, like, hey, I started it on this date, and I closed on this date. Right. But I can't seem to figure out exactly what date. But I, I know I started it in September, October, probably, and, and I know that I, I still can't remember to this day if I even had finished. So the second book I read was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Real Estate Book. And the third one was uh, Brandon Turner's uh, book on rental property investing from Bigger Pocket. So it was those three books. But I can't remember if I even finished the second and third one before I closed. I mean, it was very, very quick. So I was dating my now wife, and she had done a renovation. And she was just super supportive. And we literally like walked around went to we looked at 10 different properties with an agent a new agent um, who gave a much better vibe and we took the 10 and we wrote like three offers and one of them got accepted and we said there we go um 
And so, yeah, we, I moved in and did the, the whole house hack thing. And I didn't actually, you know, it's funny, we were both military and I didn't understand anything about the VA loan. So I had gotten some bum scoop and didn't use it, which is costing me to this day, still costing me the the primary mortgage insurance expense, which is like 80 bucks a month. Um, so I need to, need to focus. That's one of the reasons for the blog is to try to help people understand that benefit as well as other things because there's a lot of us who you know we don't get taught the VA loan we don't understand it and there's so many more benefits to it than we're aware of exactly I listen to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk a lot a lot more than I should <laughs> it's gotten to the point where um, it's repetitive because he says you know I've learned everything there is to learn but um, I really like his idea of uh, documenting versus creating content and I think with your blog, you'll be able to do that. You'll have um, such a, especially if you stick to it, um, you'll have the, the entire timeline, which is super important for other investors to be able to relate and kind of learn from your experiences as you're going through them um, and bringing even more, networking more, bringing a lot more answers, bringing a lot more people who need help and people who can help you as well uh, to your own turf, basically. So that's pretty awesome. So, um, how did you find your very first deal? Like the very first one ever? Yeah. So my first one was, was actually really simple and it, it was actually a lot easier than it should have been. And it was just because of the market I was in and we just found it MLS with an agent, uh, told her what I was looking for. And because Missouri prices are very like the, the purchase price is affordable as far as what, the, what you'll get in rent. Um, it didn't take too long to find, just a normal MLS listed property that we could buy and, and it would cash flow, which I got lucky on because there's a lot of markets where there's no way you would ever find an MLS property like the one that I live in right now. Like, good luck. Right. Um, and I feel the same way about Oklahoma. <laughs> I recently moved to Dallas for a new job that I got there and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to do all these wholesale deals. I'm going to get into real estate, which I'm still going to do. You know, a good deal is a good deal no matter where you're at. But um yeah. I really was taking a look at all the numbers there and it's so much more expensive than investing in Oklahoma City. So uh, I talked to a lot of other investors there and they're going, what about Oklahoma? Do you have any deals there? Um, so yeah, it, it really does vary. Uh, I, I've talked to investors out in California who they'll take a look at my deals in Oklahoma City and they're going, whoa, that is a wonderful bargain. I want that. You know, so it really just depends. Keep those, keep those guys in mind because when you start finding deals, those guys that are saying things like that should be your first phone call or email when you need funds. Exactly. Hey, very, very I need smart. A partner. You yep. said these numbers are amazing. <laughs> uh, what about, okay, so I have, um, I want to get a little more into the tactics here just because I want my information to be a little different than bigger pockets. Um, in the sense that I want to tailor it to an audience of brand new investors, people like myself, someone who is just now starting, hasn't done a whole lot except for, you know, doing the research and such, uh, learning through others, uh, other investors and learning from my very own wholesale deals. Um, what are two essential lessons that you've learned through investing? Like two things that you couldn't have learned through the military and it's very native to real estate investing. Okay, so 
for the first one, I would probably say that creativity, uh, and, and in, by that I mean a lot of that is creative financing, mm-hmm. pays off. Um, and so I think real estate, one of the reasons I like it is because you can, there's no set way to do things. You can tweak it. So, for example, uh, the 10-unit apartment we bought in Missouri back in February, we only paid like four and a half, five percent 5% down because we used like a mix of seller financing where we're paying the seller back for part that they gave us and a home equity line of credit from another house that we own and bank, in, bank loaning where they only wanted to lend 80% and we had a conversation, they went up to 85%. Um, and so if you're creative, things work out for you uh, as far as being able to finance deals, being able to partner with people, um, being able to just, just find the deals in creative ways. And, and I really like that because a lot of stuff you do in the military is very, it's this way. No, we don't care if there's another way, you're going to do it this way. That's right. Um, and so that's, that's something that has taken a little adjusting, but but I like it. Uh, and so the second thing I wrote down was just something that I always say, and that's taking action pays off. And I don't know that that's necessarily a real estate specific thing, but, but you'll hear me talk about it. I have found that when you just go for things in the real estate world, at least for me, it has to, let me knock on wood when I say this, always worked out. Um, and, and so like the 10 year that I just mentioned, that was, I sent out letters. Uh, I was like, well, you know, we're going home for Christmas. Why don't I send some letters home to some, some duplexes and see if anyone wants to sell and I'll look at them. Um, and that's what I did. And then this guy called and was like, yeah, Hey, I don't want to sell you my duplex. But I have a 10 year apartment. And my first thought was, oh, man, that's way too much. I don't want to deal with that. I can't, I can't handle that. Um, and then we did some conversations and basically said, no, that's way out of our comfort zone, so let's do it, and we'll learn the hard way. Um, <laughs> and then it worked out perfectly. Uh, and even though I'm actually evicting my second guy right now, uh, oh. it's still going to be cash flowing very well. Exactly. Um, and those are both, both people that we decided that we were going to uh, evict when we first bought the place if they didn't move out. So we tried to do it on good terms. They didn't want to leave, but oh well. I think it is um, your second lesson there. It is very native to just being, you know, being a business owner. Um, Because when you're in the military, you don't really have an option, (laughs) which is, uh, it gets you moving, obviously, because you just have to go, you even if you have to shut your brain down, uh, even if you're not motivated, you still have to sit there and get, you know, focus on the task and then just eventually get to it. But whenever you're kind of on your own, there's so much freedom. You just have to really rely on that self-discipline to say, hey, this is what I want. Therefore, it's going to require that I get started on my own and that I keep at it, of course. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Okay, so what's the number one resource to develop the right mindset for real estate investors? So, you know, I thought about I thought about this question for a little bit, and and I honestly just kept coming back to the thing, and and I'm sure there are better resources, and, and I, I I couldn't really think of any off the top of my head, and I'm gonna go with the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I know that's a total cop out, but that's much more of a mindset book than an investing book. Like it gives you some nuggets for investing, but it talks about not asking, not saying, oh man, I can't buy that, but saying, Hey, how can I buy that? Which I mean, that in itself has paid off for me. Um, 
but there's a lot of mindset stuff in that book. And so the reason I'm going to go with that book is because it was A, the first book I ever read, and B, it's the first book that I recommend to anybody who hasn't read it that's interested in investing. In fact, I've lent my copy out like four times, and one of my Marines has it right now that he's reading it. Um, and so I would just stick with that one because it's a very easy to follow, easy to read. It's a cool story that, you know, it, it just makes it very easy to learn. But I think as far as a mindset book, it's great. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, I think uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki. I think my story is very similar to yours. It's a very good introduction. It's very basic. It uh, puts you in the right mind frame. And I do remember reading it exactly the way that you did while I was in the military. And I think I was deployed to Qatar which isn't really a deployment for <laughs> Marines, but um, I was deployed there and I read it and I became a fan instantly. And that's when I knew, okay, I know I want to be involved in real estate. I have no idea what, how an, an agent is different than an investor. Like I didn't even know anything, no basics, but um, that was my first inter- introduction to it. And then of course there's other stuff like the cash flow uh, game that helps you along the way as well to kind of like understand it. And then, you know, you grow from there. Okay. So what's the best way to learn about real estate investing for a newbie? So not really related to the mindset, but just more of the, um, step one, how do I find a house or how do I negotiate those, um, tactics? Yeah, so reading a book, which I, there's probably a ton of people in listening to this that think the same way I do, which is, eh, bleh, books are dumb. Right. Um, <laughs> I hated, hated reading. I mean, you could not have made me read a book when I, that was, I mean, realistically, I could have read the book when I was first told to, and I just made excuses because I didn't want to. Um, so Audible, I highly recommend that. Like, if you're gonna, if you have a book that you want to read, listen to it while you commute to work and back. I mean, it may take some time, but you'll be amazed at how many books you read. I, I probably read thirty or fifty books a year just through Audible, um, which is just nuts. I mean, it's at least two a month, and usually closer to three or four. Uh, just driving to and from work, which has done a lot. So I would be reading books, um, and I can give you a list of a couple. Uh, let's say, I mean, obviously the ABC, the real estate investing, which is another rich dad series book, um, rental, the book on investing in rental or the book on rental property investing by Brandon Turner. If you're like me and you don't live in the state that you're investing, uh, David Green book, David Green's book, the long distance real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, I would also recommend there's another, they're all, these are all bigger pockets books. Uh, apparently, uh, Scott Trench has written a book called set for life and it's on, like finances and getting started. And it's also a very good book as far as uh, just kind of figuring out how to put some money aside for real estate. But aside from books, I, and and I would actually recommend a forum, kind of like bigger pocket where you can ask questions. Yes. <laughs> but I would say a mentor. Uh, and I would, I would say networking and, and the mentor could be something as simple as a podcast or or a forum, but it could also just be you show up to a real estate networking thing and you make a good impression and start asking the right questions. You get to meet people and then you're like, hey, can I tag along with you? <laughs> I mean, that's how I'm learning how to flip right now. Exactly. I, uh, yeah, I have a property here that I kind of did a wholesale slash partner thing. Like I found the property, was going to wholesale it, found a buddy 
and was like, hey, how about instead of wholesaling this to you, I just partner with you and, I, and you just let me learn. And that was, that's how it went down. So and I then, might have locked down on some money from wholesaling, but it'll pay off in the end. Right. And then always have something to bring to the table, right? Um, because otherwise people, people are always kind, especially in the real estate investing arena. I find that people are so supportive, very supportive. I love the community. But at the same time, you know, you have to be very respectful of other people's time and always try to offer some sort of value first that is yeah. actually valuable to them, you know, <laughs> uh, bring something to the table and then people always um, give you twice as much. Um, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah, so. so what is the best way for a newbie to find his or her first deal, first deal ever? So could it be like postcards, letters? What do you recommend? Yeah. So direct, direct mail is great. The problem with direct mail is for, for a super duper newbie is that you're doing off market deals. So you, you need to be very familiar with the area and the analysis because you're going to be having a conversation about how much you want to buy a property from with somebody and, and you don't have a whole lot of experience to go off. So there's no gut feeling like, Oh yeah, this sounds like a good deal. Um, so, so the only thing that I would caution on that is if you're doing direct mail, make sure you have a partner or a resource that you can ask or, or have even sitting with you when you're on the phone a few times. Um, just so that, you know, maybe run it by a seasoned investor or like a friend or something. Exactly, because they're going to be asking you questions, and you're going to be asking them questions, and and it can just become kind of like two people who don't know what they're talking about having a conversation about something, and they both have different objectives. Uh, so I I've had a lot of a lot of luck, I guess, with uh, direct mail. But I mean, my first few conversations, even after having been a recruiter, where I was very good on the phone. Um, they were very awkward, so uh, <laughs> having someone there to help you. But I would say uh, networking, so finding a wholesaler in your area. So if you go to some meetups, you find someone who's wholesaling, that's a good connection because yes. they normally don't bring you terrible deals. Otherwise, they wouldn't still be – like people wouldn't recommend them, um, and then they'd be out of business. But even if they are a terrible deal, you're like, okay, note to self. That's a terrible deal, and I at least know how to identify one now. <laughs> Exactly. Learning curve. Don't let it get you down. Uh, and then, and then the last thing I would say is just, just a real estate agent, right? So find a good one, you know, find a rock star as, as David Green says. And if you read a book, uh, there's actually like an email template that he has in there for how to find a super solid, it tells you how to pick out a really good agent. And then it gives you like an email template that he uses to, uh, talk to these good agents and get them to work with you. And, uh, I, I mean, I used it for a different state not too long ago, and it, it worked like a charm. Uh, but, yeah, just finding a solid agent. So I would look up some, honestly, a trick on that, I would imagine, is just look up Google, type in real estate agents, Springfield, Missouri, or wherever, and then you'll see the ratings come up, and you pick out the, like, five that have 4.5 or 5 stars that have over 100 reviews, so you know they've actually worked with a lot of people. And then you just call those guys and start talking to them uh, and you find their buyer's agent who's you know they recommend and you, if you've got a good one and you tell them what you're looking for depending on your market you shouldn't have too much of a problem finding at least a decent deal for starters 
Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, I'm writing notes too, because this is very important for me, uh, as well as like the books that you are reading. Um, I was never really good at networking and connecting with uh, agents. And I know that there's other wholesalers out there who are wonderful at it. And somehow they win these agents over and they're working together. And I just, that was never a thing for me. <laughs> uh, they always either saw me as a thread or I would, you know, just have a very small mind about it like oh well they're not going to help me because you know what's in it for them I'm just a competitor except I'm not licensed so um there's I feel like I just don't know enough so I'm really going to look into that uh what's the most important thing to avoid when investing I have heard horror stories from other investors people who to be fair wanted to skip the research and the just wanted to like try it themselves and then they yeah. would just have terrible experiences what is the number one thing that you wish people would just keep in mind to avoid when investing well well don't do that where you don't learn <laughs> I, um i i think and I, you know i just edited a youtube video and i don't think it's aired yet maybe it did um but emotion Emotion, emotion, emotion. Get rid of that crap. It doesn't belong yes. in your investing life at all. And so emotion plays a lot of roles that people people understand, but it also plays a lot of roles people don't understand. And so for one of those things, I would say don't look at the dang house. Uh, you know, don't don't look at pictures on the MLS. Don't look at the property. Don't go to the property until after you run the numbers. And if the numbers work, then go look at the property, or in my case, have your agent go look at the property. Um because you're going to run, if you run numbers on 100 properties, maybe 10 or 20 of them, the numbers will kind of make sense. So if you were to have looked at all those properties, that's 80, 90 properties. Hey, uh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Still like 6 in the morning, waking up. Um, so, which is weird, I'm normally up at like 4, but I got a new phone and the alarm clock's not working apparently. So anyway, uh, sorry. And I you're in a very relaxing place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you, so if you look at the numbers, you know, it, it might work out, but if you go and look at all those properties, you're wasting a ton of time on properties and you're not going to learn anything by looking at a property on the market. Like you're not going to walk through a property and go, Oh man, because it's got this version of a shower head, it was worth this amount. Like you're not going to learn anything life altering, <laughs> but if you just learn the numbers and then you only go to the ones that make sense, then you're not wasting your time. And then it'll be okay to kind of get, I guess, emotionally attached to a house. Because when you when you walk through the house, you're going to be like, you're going to like the colors, you're going to like the designs, you're going to like the jacuzzi, the pool, whatever. And, and those things may not be what brings value in your area. And, and if you get emotionally attached to it, you may end up offering on that property rather than the one where the numbers are better. So, yeah, keep emotion out of your investing. Don't get upset when someone says, no, I don't like your offer. That's good. You should only have like one in 10 get accepted. Um, and then, and then the other thing I would say is, is don't listen to naysayers. You're going to, as you talk about investing, uh, and I found a lot more with the wholesaling game. People seem to have a negative connotation to it, which is whatever. Um, but even, even buy and hold, like no matter what kind of investing you're in, uh, people are always going to be negative about it, especially all the people who aren't investing. And you'll notice that. And that's kind of what you need to remind yourself. When people start telling you it's a terrible idea and it's not going to work out and you're going to be broke and this, that, and the other, like, are they doing it themselves? No. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Don't look at it. So, 
and, and you know, and but I will tell you though that when I first started investing, I was very amazed when I started bringing up rental properties that most everybody that I mentioned that I talked to who had any level of success in life, whether they invested in real estate or not, like friends of mine from high school whose dads were doctors, their dads were like, "Yeah, that's such a great idea." They may not have ever invested ever, but I noticed that with real estate, there was very little uh, hesitation when I talked about rentals. And mind you, with people who've had any success in life, um, you know, because you, you can very easily distinguish people who everything is, you know, the world is out to get them. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, stick around positive people and, and be. And make sure that they're coming from, yeah, that they have your best interest in mind, but also that they kind of know what they're talking about, that they're, um, you know, walking the walk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Take everything with a grain of salt and understand that sometimes it's okay to discredit somebody's opinion based on what, where they're coming from and what their information is. That's true. Very, very true. I feel like even among investors, sometimes there's investors who are doing something a little different that you may not see yourself doing big picture wise and it's okay to say okay well that may work for you but i'm not trying to you know build that big of an empire i just need to find my my next home or you know some people just want to do wholesale and everything's okay as long as you do it for the right reasons you listen to the right person and somebody preferably who's done it already Okay, so what, um, let me see here, what's the best method to identify a good deal versus a bad one? You kind of talked about that with the numbers, right? Yeah, numbers, numbers, numbers. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the whole, okay, so wholesale fix and flip or buy and hold, why or when do you choose one over the other? Yeah, so I would say wholesale, yes. Fix and flip, yes. Buy and hold, yes. And why? Because they all have their place. Um, <laughs> I'm actually doing all three, um, and that's and, and I think that, that kind of goes back to knowing your market. So here in Oahu, uh, if you're familiar with the one percent rule, we'll just use that for an example. Mm-hmm. So one one percent rule basically says that a, a good rule of thumb is whatever your gross monthly rent is should equal one percent of the price that you purchase a house for. Mm-hmm. So in Missouri, you can get like 1.2 to 2%. So I can buy a house that make, you know, $1,200 a month for a hundred grand, which is great. In Hawaii, you get like the 0.03% rule where you get a million dollar home that might make three or $4,000. Um, and, and it does not make any sense. If you're lucky, you can make a hundred bucks a month in rent mm-hmm. off a property that, you know, like your cash flow on a hundred bucks, which yes, that's that technically that's positive cash flow, but you spent a million dollars on a house that's making you a hundred bucks a month, and I spent a hundred grand on a house that's making me two or three hundred dollars a month. So out here in Oahu, the idea of buy and hold, I mean, you've got to have money to buy and develop like full on condominium. It, it just doesn't work out for single family homes very well. There are ways, but it's just not the most lucrative so for that reason i focus more on wholesaling which you know to be honest i was never a fan of the wholesaling idea um kind of had to change my mindset to understand that you're just playing middleman and helping people you're not actually like there's there's for whatever reason there's kind of a weird vibe about wholesaling which which i had fallen prey to uh believing but now that i've done it i mean it 
Yes, you're right. There, there was a very negative connotation to wholesaling. Um, the way I see it, the people who I see are very successful are those who truly care, those who really dig into that market of, wait a minute, there is a need for them. Um, agents will, you know, they're commission-based. And yes, although there's a lot of them, they, they just have access to so many different properties. Um, what I try to do is I try to talk to a couple of investors and basically go out and do the searching for them specifically to their criteria in a way. So, um, yes, I will do, you know, direct mail and I will send out a lot of like, I'm constantly telling people if you see a house, this or that, but, um, I also try to work very closely with those investors just because it feels there's, there's a sense of gratitude. Like I learn from them. If you gotcha. work together with them, they're very helpful. They will um, let you come along whenever they're fixing the property. If you ever have a question, for somebody like me who's planning on obviously investing herself, uh, it's I don't want to do that alone. It's scary, and so I want to. I like to know that I have a support group with those same investors and possibly the people who will also loan me money for them as well or partner on deals and things like that so to me it's about the relationships more um i really like the current relationships that i've built with the investors that i've met uh through the past couple of years and it's been a good positive experience for me yeah so i I would say yes to wholesaling if your market fits it I would say yes to fix and flip. I'm, I'm, I'm a on my first big one out here right now. Uh, and then I would definitely say yes to buy and hold. So fix and flip and wholesale is like an active form of income, right? So you're going to, you're going to end up paying a little bit more in taxes, but you may make a very quick bang for your buck. And so my plan out here is to kind of do the wholesale flip and then game and then take those funds and bring them back into Missouri to do buy and hold games. So the buy and hold is more of the passive income cash flow exactly. for, for long term. Yep. And so the goal is to build enough out here that I can move it there, build up my passive income so that when I retire, I'm, I'm retired. Awesome. And my very last question, do you create, I know that you have your blog, who is, um, what kind of audience do you uh, create content for? Where else can people find you? Do you have a podcast of your own? No, not yet. (laughs) yet. Um, I actually got approached the other day by somebody who was willing to put together a podcast and do all the editing and everything for me. I mean, I'd have to pay them, but it's affordable. Um, I may, I may start one soon. I've had a couple people telling me I should, and so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I'll, I'll post about that if it happens. <laughs> um, for right now, my focus is that I'm going to be going elsewhere for training in seven days for like six weeks. So. Oh, wow. uh, but my audience, I would say, is primarily like the service member public service or just your average blue collar employee right the, the group of people who who if you've ever heard yourself or one of your coworkers saying we don't get paid enough for x or we don't make enough money i would say that's the market um and that's because i have fit into as you know the military is one of those groups that everybody says how little they get paid and mm-hmm. no we're not millionaires but if you factor in the benefits we actually get paid pretty well yep. um and so I want to 
tell like just help spread the word that like hey instead of doing what i did where you blow your money on all these cool cars and harleys and this lifestyle um how about you spend it on as my older self has done on real estate and now i mean yeah my mindset's totally changed the military pay is plenty because i'm doing that Uh, so that's my market is is kind of that group of uh, the, I guess, middle class, lower middle class, or, or so they think, and just helping them understand that, like, you too can invest in real estate or, or whatever and be very successful. There's no limit but what you are, you know, what you're allowing to feed into your brain, if that makes sense. So change your mindset, get better with your finances, pull yourself out of that hole and turn around and, you know, join the, join the military millionaire club. <laughs> and of I'm course, there. you're. I'm not there yet. That's that's the the journey. So exactly, yeah. And and your uh, blog is from military to millionaire. Once again, please check it out if that um, yeah. is you. And yeah, it's so easy to lose perspective when you're in the military. Man, I think back and I'm thinking now that I'm a civilian compared to <laughs> compared to the military world, I was. I had everything, you know, you, they house you, they feed you. And although it's not, you know, the most glamorous lifestyle, it kind of is for the air force compared to other branches. Um, and then you come out to the real world and you realize, man, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Um, I was just wasting a lot of money, a lot of time. I could have been working on this. Um, I love what you did with your journey here where you're slowly transitioning. You're doing it all right. Um, That's what I wish I would have done. And uh, hopefully you get to inspire and teach a lot of others to do the same. Thank you so much, David Perret. Am I pronouncing your last name properly? You are. I'm actually impressed because I don't think we had a conversation about how to do that. And I meant to ask you how to say your name before we started, but I that. So my name is Sarai, Sarai okay. DeLeon. Um, it's a Hebrew. I'm Mexican. I don't know how that happened. My little sister's name is Kenya. My parents are just odd. <laughs> they like these exotic names. But, I like it. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you very much for making the time. For me, I have such a tiny little audience. Hopefully this helps me grow. Um, We will keep in touch. Uh, Good luck on your fix and flip. And good luck on your training and everything you do. No, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure.